Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've been doing a lot of draft, derby mixed in, a little baseball, and not all that much NBA. I did bring it up at the top. Uh, watched the Celtics get handled by the Charlotte Hornets earlier today, uh, followed up by the Nets getting, at least for me, a pretty impressive win over the Suns today. want to talk about both those games and just the NBA in general as we get into that dirty dozen last couple of games coming down the stretch before the playoffs are going to get underway. Here to give us some insight is the guy who comes it day in and day out for NBCSports.com, their NBA editor, Kurt Heelan. Kurt, Jody Mack here. How are you doing, bud? I've been doing well. I hope you're doing well, too, man. I am. Thank you for asking. Glad to hear you are. Um, let me start with the Nets. Got a win today. They had two of their three stars in place. Uh, Kevin Durant came back from his latest injury, an injury that has had him miss 36 games this year after missing all of last year. And it is amazing. He's gone out with several different injuries this year. And every time he comes back, he looks like he didn't miss a beat that he just steps in and is Kevin Durant at his all-star, all-NBA, potential uh, Hall of Fame-like level. How does he do stuff like that? Yeah, it's really kind of fascinating. Nobody's come back from the Achilles that well, like to play that well right off the bat. Um, it, that was kind of surprising. And then, yeah, you're getting misses all the time with the hamstring. He's been with high bruise now. And you've dropped 33 today and look smooth and, and you watch them and you're like, man, when, when he puts, when he's playing like that, they just fit that it's games like today. You said, you know, you were impressed. I, I, I was impressed. This is one of those games where you watch them and you're like, James Harden's going to be as a playmaker is going to be able to blend right into this thing. And this whole thing's going to work for them. It's days like today that you think that they might take this whole thing if they can just get healthy. Right, but here's the problem with that, and I agree with everything you just stated. If they just get healthy, and I know some Nets fans, and they, well, it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to get all three guys healthy for the playoffs, and then it's going to kick in, and we're going to be able to beat everybody. While that's true, no one knows if they can all stay healthy. Harden, the latest report was he'll probably be back for the beginning of the playoffs. Not he will be back, not even he should be back probably was the way it was reported, at least what I saw, which means you don't know if Harden's going to be right there. And as great as KD looked today, who knows he doesn't go down with an injury the next time he tries to go out there on the floor. How can, if you are uh, the head coach, Coach Nash, how do you even begin to prepare knowing that it could be great, but it could all come down like a house of cards? Yeah, that's, it, it really just comes down to health for them. And I, I, 
you can prep all you want. I would say this, too, thinking about it. Like, they have to have Durant. And if they have Durant and Harden, is that enough? Like, could they do it? I, Kyrie is honestly going to be option number three. He's not going to be if, – if, if you've got Harden as the ball handler and Durant, you, you can fit Durant in anywhere pretty easily just because he can play off the ball, he can play on the ball, he can set up a mismatch. He can catch and shoot. He's like, you can just play. And by the way, he might be their best defender. Like, I mean, he, he, you can just plug and play him pretty much anywhere at any point, and it's fine. So if you've got that and you can get Harden's playmaking, that, that alone might be enough. Um, and they looked really good. Kyrie, when he's creating like he does today for himself, and it just, he's impossible to stop. He's got such great handles. Um, but I don't know how you prep. I'm with you. I think that you. On the bright side, they have a lot of experience now filling in for one of them being out, but it ultimately comes down to that for them. They've got to get all three of those guys healthy. Not, you know, they can coast through the first round and build a little chemistry, but by the time they get to the second round, you know, even if they get the top seed, they're still going to have Boston or Miami or somebody respectable, you know, you know maybe the Knicks, but somebody respectable in the second round they're going to have to work for. Um, it's it's just not going to be coasting it anymore. And if they fall back to the second season, it's them in Milwaukee. Then it's all hands on deck. So we'll see. I like I said, you watch a game like today, and you're like, man, this whole thing can work. But it does feel like it's on a knife's edge because they're just I don't they haven't been able to stay healthy all year. And let me ask you a key question about a word you just used, which is chemistry. You mentioned yeah. you thought Kevin Durant is certainly the number one player and a star and the yeah. guy who's going to probably determine most everything. And Harden might be number two, which means Kyrie's number three. They played yeah. a handful of games and minutes together as a threesome, but when they get to the playoffs, you're going to want them to play every single game together. If into a series it's blatantly obvious that it's Durant, Harden, then Kyrie, is Kyrie going to be cool with that? Or... Kyrie is an explosive personality. Could something go woefully wrong in the locker room? Could Kyrie say something or do something that could get them off kilter? I get a feeling it's going to work this year. Now, if the, if that's truly the dynamic, and I got a feeling, by the way, it is. If that's truly the dynamic, how Kyrie is going to feel in the middle of next season about that, I'm not about to predict. I'm, not, I'm you know, I'm not like Kyrie's a kind of hard guy to read anyway. Yeah. But I was. <laughs> I'm not going to begin to go there, but I got a feeling in the short term, there'll be a certain amount of, Hey, we're winning this our way bonding kind of thing. So I, I think that, and, and I think he's willing to work off the ball. They, they, you know, look, everybody's willing to make sacrifices right now and they'll get through the playoffs, but it's next season. And it is assuming that they're largely healthy, that, that some of these kinks will have to be worked out. We'll see. We also just, by the way, Jody Mack, we just have not seen them in late. We haven't seen them in late game pressure situations. Right. When all three of these guys expect, you know, Steve, that's where Steve Nash is going to have to work some magic and keep some ego soothed. Um, you probably want the ball in Durant's hands, but all three of those guys are used to taking that shot. It'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out. All right, the team they've been battling with at the top all year has been the 76ers. I mentioned this about 10, 12 days ago. The Sixers not only had a game lead, it was more like a game and a half because uh, the head-to-head, they took two out of three. They just beat Brooklyn two weeks ago, so they they nabbed that uh, tiebreaker. And now all of a sudden, the Sixers are a game and a half behind, 
and have lost four straight games. They didn't lose a chump change, Warriors, Suns, and twice in a row to the Bucks, and the last one without Embiid, but four in a row in the out column when you are as tight as you are with everybody else in your conference is not the direction you want to be going in. Has Have the wheels come off for the 76ers? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not inspiring confidence, is it? it is, no, it is not. It, I was with you. They have the softest schedule the rest of the way. They still have the softest schedule the rest of the way, and that theoretically should get them the number one seed. But it it's not just not winning without Embiid. It's it's losing to quality teams with Embiid with with not. With all due respect, I know how well Steph Curry's been playing. You've got to beat the Warriors. <laughs> Those are the kind of games you need to pick up. And so it's, it's a little concerning heading into the playoffs that they're, Milwaukee, might, Milwaukee looked good against them. That's a team that matches up a little better against them than, than maybe they do against Brooklyn. So it's like it's I think that I think that the I think the Sixers could cause Brooklyn more problems than Milwaukee just because of the Embiid factor. They just don't you know DeAndre Jordan is not the answer there. So it'll be interesting to see how the whole playoffs shake out. But I'm I'm I am concerned now about Philly. I like, they were on top of my power rankings and they are not going to be next week. Oh, not even close. Uh, we talked to Kurt Hillen from NBCSports.com, NBA Insider. Um, I also watched the Knicks yesterday. Nine in a row now. Thibodeau is doing a phenomenal job. I've always been a Randall fan, so that doesn't really surprise me. But I thought they had an improved roster, not necessarily a playoff rest roster, certainly not necessarily a fourth in the Eastern uh, bracket right now type roster. How are they doing this, and can they make it last all the way into the playoffs? They're defending, first off. I mean, they're a top five defense in the league, which is – they just—I didn't think they had the personnel for that. You know, they had some guys. Nolan Noel can protect the rim, and they had some guys who can do some stuff. But they have been so on a string and and played so well with effort on that end, and that's the other part of it. This is a this is a team that reflects Thibodeau in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Like they are gritty, they are prepared, they come yep. hard every night, and that's been enough in the East to get them up there. Um, it gets them into the postseason. It gets them into, you know, that 4-5 matchup. You would rather have that than have to go up against whoever is, you know. If you fall to six or below, you get one of those big three, and I don't think the Knicks can beat any of them in a seven-game series. They get into 4-5, and, you know, who knows. So it is, it's worth fighting for them to stay into that spot and stay out of the play-in, obviously. Um, Randall has been I, – I just everybody took a step forward this year. That's the other thing they've done right, right? Like Randall's shooting 40% from three, plus his playmaking is way better. Archie Barrett took a big step forward. Nobody saw quickly being this good. Like, it's just a lot of things have gone right for them, but it's, it's impressive. You know what? And it's just fun to see the Knicks doing well. It's just like – I kind of agree with LeBron here. The league's just a little better when they're good. Speaking of LeBron, thank you very much for going there because that's where I was going next. We just gave Kevin Durant a ton of credit because despite missing more than half the season, he's been down a couple of different times with different injuries, and every time he comes back, it looks like he hasn't missed a a beat, a step, or anything. He just looks like Kevin Durant at the top of his game. 
LeBron's been out a while now, and there are reports that he could be back as early as next week, which will give him a solid number of games to get ready before uh, they go to the playoffs. They're going to want to win some of those games so they don't have as bad a potential playoff seed shoot. They could be in the play-in if they were to fall all the way till seventh. Will LeBron be able to stop the Laker bleeding and make sure they're at least in the top five? I think so, only because a they defended really well. They've gone eleven and seven since he's. Been, I'm sorry, seven and eleven since he's been out, um, and lost three straight. Now their defense has been pretty good through all this. It's held them in. It's just their offense is awful. He, and the offense is awful because LeBron is the hub of everything they do, and Schroeder is out there to be the stopgap when he sits as a shot creator. But he's not an elite shot creator. Anthony Davis is an all-NBA, you know, first-team all-NBA level player. But he's not the guy who can be the hub of your offense, right? He is not Jokic at the elbow. Like, you can do some stuff with him, and he can create for himself a little bit, but he is not the focal point of your offense like that. They, it's just LeBron is the hub, and every spoke runs off of it offensively. And until they get him back, they're just not going to be very good on that. I think they're very good on that end. Since LeBron went out, I think they're like 29th now in the league <laughs> over that stretch. Um so I think just getting him back, even 80% of him back, just helps the offense dramatically. Just LeBron will at least make good decisions and good shots and stuff. So I, that's another situation where if he's fully healthy, if he can trust that ankle, and, and, and he's really not a guy who's been injured much over his career, if he can come back and trust that ankle and be as explosive as ever, then the Lakers' chemistry will come back quickly, and they will be the team to beat in the West. <laughs> Maybe Utah or, or the Clippers can do it, but the Lakers will set the bar, man. And despite the fact that the Nets look good beating up on the Suns today, well, they didn't beat them up. They pulled away from them in the fourth yeah. quarter. I think the Suns are even more underrated than the Jazz. Which of those two would yeah. you go with? Because you just said, it's, if everybody's healthy, Lakers team to beat. And, of course, they got the Clippers. Yet Utah and Phoenix have been running 1-2 out there in the West for quite some time now. To me, that makes them both underrated. Which one more so? I think Phoenix is a little more underrated, but I'm also less confident in, about them in the playoffs, only because they just haven't done it before. Uh, they, uh, Utah is battle-tested. Uh, these guys have been through it against Denver last year where they, you know, they blew a 3-1 lead, too, um, and that, that put a chip on their shoulder. And so this is a, a Utah team that's been through the grind, and Mike Conley's been in playoff series before. Like, I, I like the way they fit. Devin Booker's never played a minute of playoff basketball. DeAndre Ayton, Bridges, on down the line. Yeah, Chris Paul's been there, and, and you know, Jay Crowder's with the Heat. <laughs> they miss them. They really miss what he brought to the Heat this year. But that's just, they haven't done it as a unit. And I think that ultimately, well, that and, that and the fact their backcourt's a little undersized for a playoff series, I think that ultimately gets them in trouble in the playoffs. But I also agree with you. They probably won the first round series. I think even if they're matched up against Dallas or Portland or somebody really, you know, with, again, playoff tested and good, I think people sleep on just how good these Suns are. Right, and we don't know who they're going to be playing because we got to go to the play-in. And you were the yes. oh, well, Howard Beck explained to me last week. They're not considered <laughs> playoff games; they're play-in games. They're not going to go down as playoff uh, records or anything like right. that, which is kind of weird but different. So it's okay; it's kind of cool because it's different. Um, the scheduling for that 
it's going to put pressure on those teams. We know that usually the seven and eight teams are always overmatched and very infrequently advanced, but it's going to be even tougher now. Or will those games, live or die, in or out, survivor advance, will they actually toughen up some of those teams? And the two that do get through, will they actually put on a tougher fight against the one and two seeds this year? I'm not sure they're going to do that regularly. It's just the teams are the one seed or two seed in in, in a conference for a reason. Um, they are just better than the seven and eight teams. But I think you stand a better chance of getting a hot team in a team that's just. We see this every year where there's a nine seed, but you're like, man, the nine seed just won eleven of fourteen. You know, like they just missed. And now maybe those teams were a little bit hot or got healthy or for whatever reason, came together just at the end, maybe one of them gets in, and suddenly that's a, a little bit tougher of a first-round series. I don't, I, we'll see if this really ultimately leads to much. I, I got a feeling, Jody, it's just not. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, oh, good, you got in as the eighth seed. You still get Utah. That's a really good team. You still get you know Brooklyn or Philly, whoever's going to be the one seed in the East. I, I don't think it's going to matter, but it might. at some point down the line, we might see those teams get pushed a little more. Fair enough. All right. Uh, in that five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. t- there's a huge difference between being sixth and being seventh. You have to play for your life in game one. Six just gets to wait and see who they're taking. I actually don't know because they'll be playing the three seed and we'll know who that is. Uh, when we come down to the last week of the season, we've still got a couple weeks to go and they'll be jockeying on a daily basis and we'll keep our eye on the standings. But we get to that last week. If you're not fighting for staying out of the play in action, how much game management, how much uh, sitting will we see of superstar players to be ready for the postseason, which could cost you a five over a six seed, a four over a five seed, that last important game in that first round. Will teams actually play it if it's close all the way to the wire or will if they're in locked into a playoff position worry more about giving times off and getting them rest and making sure everybody's healthy when the postseason starts i th- there'll be some jockeying to line up with especially if if look if you're this if, you know you you might want to avoid the lakers or the clippers or who are, you know there might be teams trying to avoid specific matchups um but i think it will just the threat of the seven, eight, you know, the, the play in games will keep teams a little, and Mark Cuban talked about this. You keep teams on their toes a little more at the end of the season. You don't want to be in those games. Even if you're right now, Dallas would be the seven in the West, I believe. Or, or did they move up to six? I mean, it's them or Portland. I forget now. I didn't look at the standings right now. Um, either way, you don't as, as much as those teams will win the first game probably and be the seven seed. You don't want to invite the randomness of oh we've got to play John Morant and he and he and Jaron Jackson Jr. go off for a game and now we've got to play one game just to get into the playoffs. You just don't want to invite that kind of risk and randomness. So I think you'll see teams push to make sure that that they avoid that seven seed. And then, like you said, if you've got a, if you're I don't know, the Clippers or the Suns or something, you'll probably see some rest down the stretch. You can you can afford to do it up there. Agreed on all parts. That's why we get John Kurt. Not because you agree with me, because you uh, make good points and uh, arguments and the like for uh, what's going to transpire. We uh, like looking into the NBA crystal ball with you. We'll certainly get John before the playoffs get underway again. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Oh, anytime, Jody. Take care.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.